The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org. I am so glad to be here. I'm so glad to be back in this historic and beautiful space where I last saw my beloved goddaughter, Lila Menezes, and her coming-of-age group lead a marvelous service together just a few years ago. Thank you, UUSF, for having me speak. And thank you, my dearest Vanessa, for the honor of preaching your installation sermon. I have a very few things that I want to talk about with you this afternoon, and they all come back to the message of that song we just heard. Those of us who remember that song from when it was a big radio hit uh, had all those words echoing in our ears, I know, as much as, as we did hearing it through the sound system. Worlds are turning, and we're just hanging on, facing our fear, standing out there alone, a yearning, and it's real to we. There must be someone who's feeling for me. Things look so bad everywhere in this whole world. What is fair? We walk the line and we try to see falling behind in what could be. But here's the difference. You bring the higher love. Here's that higher love we keep thinking of. Often in an installation message, the, the sermon I'm expecting and wanting and appreciating is something about how the sky's the limit. That all of us, each of our congregations is only bound by the limits of our shared vision and commitment. Great, even thrilling things are possible. And as ministry launches the next chapter in the long life of a church, it is essential to remember how much power we have in those choices we make. So much is possible, and when we lean into that, it is extraordinary. And it matters not only to those of us in the community, which makes the choices, but also to all the rest of us who admire and learn from it. I always look forward to this kind of message because it feels so good to be reminded of those remarkable potentialities and blessings, not least because the mundane, day-to-day -day realities of a faith community so often drag us away from inspiration to perspiration. <laughs> There is always something. What is wrong with the church dumpsters? Why are they emitting a miasma so terrible that it prematurely ends the first outdoor reception after the first indoor worship service in a year and a half? I'm just making this up. It definitely didn't happen at First Unitarian Providence recently. <laughs> Why is the audio running 30 seconds behind the video on the new live stream? Please tell me you know what I'm talking about. These are not the things that we come to church for. No one is called to be part of a church by the challenges that plague every institution. We are called together by the blessings, the care, the welcome, the affirmation, the hope, the strength, the comfort, the relationships, the vision that undergirds it and lifts it all, the spiritual banquet for our hungry, hopeful souls.
and in the meantime, in this quagmire of COVID, we have to get there from here. The miasma, the audio delay, the latest whatever, which brings us to Reverend McAllister's story about the time the storm snowed out the church. Admittedly, I am biased, but I'm still going to say it. Her mother's response is how church ought to be for all of us. A storm like no other shuts everything down. Church is closed. It is beyond comprehension. You heard what she wrote. It was like putting God on hold while you played what? Elevator music. And her mother didn't hesitate. Church was non-optional. It was non-losable. If they didn't have it one way, fine. They would have it another in the most precious room in the house because it mattered that much. It didn't depend on the building. It didn't depend on the minister. What it depended on was all of them in all their ways and all their places doing church, being church, carrying the church through the storm. And when they did, the teacher became the preacher and the lesson became the sermon and the daughter eventually became a minister because church mattered, because it was literally unstoppable because of its people, because of them, because of you. because of all of us together who serve the church, who are the church, who carry church every day through any storm, even now in this long storm of COVID. What I'm talking about is phileklesia, a word derived from ancient Greek, philau, from the word to love, and ekklesia from the Greek word for church. Thus, phileklesia means love of church. This word is one I made up. <laughs> a couple years ago, for a sermon I was preaching at my home UU church where I grew up, where I learned that an awkward, shy, bookish girl like me could be valued and loved not just by my family, but by a community where I confirmed my decision to become a minister, where my sister's family now worships, where my parents have chosen to have their ashes interred. Because there ought to be a word for such devotion and gladness and trust in our beloved community, our church so real and good that when we keep it, it keeps us. So there it is. And you are welcome, Philecclesia. So many of us have striven over the past year and a half to find our own versions of Reverend McAllister's family's Philecclesia, to hold our churches, all our congregations that hold us, to create our new alternate sacred spaces and times and opportunities and beloved community to make music that will not risk anyone to find ways to rally for justice and against racism when gathering and demonstrating has been against the rules and the regulations, sometimes even a violation of law. And I know, I know it has not been easy and it has not been perfect. That's okay. It doesn't have to be easy and it does not have to be perfect. It just has to be real. 
Church just has to be real. And faith just has to be real. Whether it is in this beloved sanctuary or your dining room table, whether it is a Sunday school lesson or a sermon, whether it is bliss or stress-filled negotiation, real efforts, the very best we can do, we keep trying, we keep learning, we keep working to honor and keep all that we love, including each other, the best that we can. In this church, it is your shared commitment, not just Vanessa's, not just Allison's, or Laura's, or Mark's, or your boards, or anyone's. It's everyone's shared commitment to keeping church in any and every way we can that is keeping church, that will keep church, and carry you through to the other side that we keep getting closer to. Because yes, slower than we want, slower than we need, we are coming through this. This storm is passing over, and we are here. And keeping church ensures that you will be here for that blessed day that we can rip off our masks, not just me, everyone, and see each other smiling or crying and hug and sing and rejoice together. I don't know what your next versions of Reverend McAllister's Mother's Table Fellowship will look like. I don't even know what my own church's version of this will look like in the weeks and months to come. What I do know is that whatever the details turn out to be, these days continue to demand of us patience and compassion and love. It is not enough for me to say this to you. And it is not enough for you to nod and say, yes, we know, love and compassion. Mm -hmm. Right now, right now, sitting comfortably in this service of celebration and anticipation is not when you actually need this message. You will need this message. You will need to remember this message the next time someone is working on your last nerve. <laughs> Can I get an amen, somebody? <sighs> when someone quits an essential team in exasperation or hurt, when someone jumps to a conclusion that stops good work in its tracks, when someone fails to keep a promise you were depending on, or takes a massive effort for granted. That will be when I am asking you now to remember and honor and manifest our human capacity for grace. That will be when you will need to offer each other unearned, unsought kindness generosity of spirit. That will be when I am asking you now to pause, to express care, to cultivate patience, offer help, gifts of care and compassion and patience and support and steadfastness, creating together oases of compassion amidst this abrasive time that seems so set on grinding us down.
even more than now, that will be, that will be when you live into beloved community. That's what it is all about, making sure that people are cared for and valued, especially when the chips are down. Beloved community is what you learn and teach together all the time. Growing our capacity to offer that kind of grace in this beloved community, we can share then that grace with those we care for, our friends, our teachers, students, spouses, partners, parents, children, neighbors, larger, all the circles of care we inhabit, all the circles of humanity we even just touch. It may be counterintuitive on this day that celebrates this new chapter you have already begun in the life of this faith community that I'm dwelling so much on the capacities of the congregation, but your chapter with Vanessa is one that you co-author. Having together offered and accepted a call, you are trusting your ministry with each other, literally putting your faith in each other. This is a two-way street a union in mutuality greater than the sum of its parts, beautiful, powerful, joyful, the harmony of so many skills and hearts and spirits together. Your path and fulfillment will be determined not by your ministers alone, but by the choices the whole church makes together, what you all embrace and risk and endure and learn together. And philecclesia. Some years ago, there was a gathering of UU ministers serving strongly growing churches. And the point of the gathering was to try to understand what was at the root of the growth. What was the engine? And was it the same engine across the very different congregations across the continent? Or were there many different engines that were particular, even unique to each instance? And long story short, after three days of facilitated conversations, the result was intriguing possibilities and no certainties. But the one factor that seemed to hold across all the varieties of congregations and ministers was love. Love of the minister for their church. Love from the church for their minister. Love of what they were creating and becoming together. This is an extraordinary reality that we inhabit. Love is both a church's purpose and its power. The tangible expression of love is a beloved community's goal, but it is also the means by which the community moves further and further towards and into the goal. I used to think, I'll just say it, I don't think I've ever said this out loud, I used to think that love thy neighbor was a mostly aspirational value. Most ministers won't confess that, but I just did. <laughs> but ministry has challenged me to try. And the more that I have pushed into that value, the more it has changed me, deepened me, and my ministry, and my churches, because we're always on these journeys together. Most love does not just appear. We create it over time with relationships. Pushing towards love has given me precious 
collegial relationships across denominations and cultures and races. It has given me some of my most demanding justice work, some of my most surprising and inspiring experiences of faith and fulfillment, some of my most treasured friendships. A book group started many years ago now in the Washington, D.C. area, half Unitarian Universalist women, half Ahmadiyya Muslim women. They thought that we were Christian. We thought they were cowed and oppressed. We read novels and nonfiction, essays and plays, Jane Austen and Jenny Lawson and Charles Dickens and Ta-Nehisi Coates. After just a few sessions, we were already learning how much we had been projecting upon each other and how much we shared, along with the differences that were real and expanded our understandings of each other and humanity and community. We made mistakes together and we learned together. We grew to like each other. We grew to love each other. Our time that was first rooted in principles, finding a constructive response after 9-11 became precious to us for our own living, our own souls. We celebrated birthdays and holidays together. We led worship together. I've been gone from that area for five years now and the book group is still meeting. And some members have collaborated now on opening a food bank that has quickly become essential to many Maryland families and individuals. Love is a purpose and a power. Living into love has enriched my life and my vocation more than anything else I have ever done. There has been nothing, nothing more important. And there has been nothing I have done as a minister that I could not have done as a layperson. Good people, this is what I wish for you and call you to and preach to you. Hold on to love, plant yourselves in it, grow love in you, and grow yourself in love. The higher love is in you, and it is you. Love will see you through this pandemic, and it will bless you in this new chapter. It will grow your abilities and your living and your faith. It will give you all a great and good foundation for this ministry and your marvelous, beautiful, beloved community. Embrace it and nourish it. In the words of another Rhode Island Unitarian Universalist colleague, Frederick Gillis, May the love which overcomes all differences and which heals all wounds, which puts to flight all fears, which reconciles all who are separated be in us, be in you. And among you, now 
and always. Amen. The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.